He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Shall we pray? Oh, Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for us and to redeem us a people unto yourself. How meaningful and fulfilling life has been since we met you, Jesus. What a privilege it is to be given a part of your vineyard to work in, oh God. This afternoon, I yield myself to your Holy Spirit. Have your way, Lord, and speak through these lips of clay. If you can use anything, Father, use this vessel. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may take your seats. I want to speak about living in the last days. The most important thing is that the Holy Spirit must be obeyed. Amen. 2 Timothy 3, chapter 1. Hey, verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It says, but understand this. Well, that's another version. Let me read King James. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, Despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Hmm. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Amen. Now... As I watch television and I listen to the news and I observe all that is going on around us, I don't think I need anybody to tell me that the Bible is true or to tell me that these are perilous times. A modern translation says, in the last days, difficult times shall come. 
So when people are going about their normal lives, and then they say, oh, life is so stressful. Things are so difficult. Irreverend, are you sure that's how it was for our parents? Life is so complicated. Life is, you are telling me that the Bible is true. Because the Bible says, this know also. But it is something we don't know. Or we are not aware of that in the last days, difficult times shall come. And the irony of it is that we have a lot of labor-saving devices. We are very high-tech. Man has developed more than he ever has. Man has more cures to so many things than he ever has. And yet, the times are difficult. Amen? And the Bible begins to list the things that will happen. It says that men shall be lovers of their own selves. Fond of oneself, selfish, loving oneself, or being too intent on one's own interest. Being too intent on one's own interest. The Bible and Christianity is about a relationship with God. But the tenets of Christianity teach us to turn away from self and to be other-centered. But the Bible is saying that in the last days, difficult times shall come. And one of the cardinal signs will be that men will be selfish and self-centered. Whereas Christianity is other-centered. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. And we have rather put self on the throne of grace. I was invited some time ago to a famous radio station in Ghana that all, every year does a bridal fair. And they said to me, when you come, speak about, it's, it's a secular station, when you come, speak about why marriages are not working. And so, before I cut the ribbon for the show to begin, they gave the mic and they said, still speak about it. I said, well, this radio station has asked me to speak about why marriages do not work. I think that there's only one reason, and that reason is that people are not prepared to die on the cross when it comes to their marriages. Hey, Reverend, is that all? Yes, that's all. Because the Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. But the Christians of today, Christ is crucified, and you are now a spectator, a tourist, or an observer. The cross is an observatory to you. But Paul said, we have to identify with Christ. So if Christ has been crucified, we are also crucified with him. And crucifixion is not a party. Crucifixion is not a pleasant thing. Crucifixion is not easy, but to die to self is our problem because we are so self-centered. When we look at something, even ministry, we say, what is in it for me? When we look at marriage, we say, what is in it for me? When I talk to people, I say, 
You are going to get married. Oh, yes, Lady Reverend. We love each other so much. We can't, we can't get over each other. I said, okay. So what is it that is about her that you want to marry? Oh, Lady Reverend, she's so tender. When she speaks to me, she speaks to me with tenderness. And also she's a good cook. I know that she will look after me, Lady Reverend. And she's a good homekeeper. So I know that when I come home, I'll come home to fluff. I'll come and relax, you know. And then when you ask the lady, why does he want to get married? Say, he's so understanding. I just feel that he's a shield. He's a protector. He's a... It's all well and good. But after that, when I examine their responses, I see that they are all self-centered. She will cook for me. She will look after me. She will create a home for me. He will protect me. He will look after me. So we are so self-centered. And so when we enter the marriage, and then we see other things, the self begins to suffer, and the self begins to die, and we say, no. And some people say to me, when will I be happy? The fact is, it's not about your happiness, it's about your selflessness. Amen? And I say to them, when you come and stand here, say, Say the vows. I saw a bride. She was even crying. She couldn't say the vows. Take thee. Take thee. To be my lawfully wedded husband. And then we say, in sickness and in health, in prosperity and in adversity, for better for worse, till death us do part. And we think it's a rhyme. You see, prosperity, adversity. Assonance, prosperity, adversity. They sound the same. You know? And we almost think we are reciting Humpty Dumpty. But the fact is, when you go into that institution, you are going to experience adversity and prosperity. And the people who wrote the vows were pastors. And they didn't hide that from us. But in the last days, we are so self-centered. So when we get into things, we say, no, I'm suffering too much. Why should I go and witness? It's snowing and it's cold. I want my comfort zone. In the last days, men shall be lovers of themselves. If you want to go far with God, you can't just be a lover of yourself. You have to love other people, even the unlovable. There are many, many unlovable people in the church. And there are many people who are difficult to love. But if you have the God kind of love, it looks beyond the person. It looks beyond how I feel. Do you think it's always easy? No. Your flesh cries out. You are in pain, but you obey him because you are not self-centered. Amen. In the last days, men shall be lovers of themselves. That's why the gospel is not going out. This morning, I just put on the telly, and then they said that so many inmates in prison are being forced to convert to Islam. Because the prisoners in the 13% of prisoners in the UK are Muslims. And when they meet them there, 
If you are a Muslim already, they radicalize you. And if you are not a Muslim already, they force you. So they're talking about forced conversions. And I said, Lord, where are the Christians? Where are we not going to the prisons? Where are we not seeking conversion? But we are always giving excuses. Oh, they won't give us permission. Oh, they won't. But there are ways and legal ways of going around it. If really you are driven to care for others. You know, when we see people, we don't see them as souls. We see them as potential business partners. What can I get out of it? What connection can he do for me? How can he help me? But not as a soul. Lovers of ourselves. Lovers of ourselves. If you love yourself, you may not even obey God's call to be in the ministry. Because you love your reputation. You love what people think about you. You love people's estimation of you. And therefore, you cannot serve God. If you ordinary basic Christianity... Witnessing is part of basic Christianity, but it's lost in the church because we are lovers of ourselves. We are just having nice programs, patting each other on the back, feeling cute and just within ourselves, but we are not other-centered. In the last days, men shall be lovers of themselves. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, let the self be abased. And the word covetous means fond of silver or money, loving money to the extent of being avaricious, avarice, greed. Greed is what has brought us to the recession. Greed is what has brought us to the economic downturn. Greed in man is what has brought us to all the things that, so you are uh, developed countries. But the whole bubble was burst because of greed. The Bible says in the last days, men shall be covetous. Covetous is being driven to desire something that is not your own to the point where you would do anything to get it. Amen? It happened in the Bible. King Ahab, he was a king. He had so many lands. And Naboth had a little vineyard. And he said, I want your vineyard. I want to annex it to. Could annex. Not land that they don't already have, but somebody else's land that they wanted at all costs. In the same way, the Bible has said in Exodus 20, among the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor thy neighbor's cattle, nor your neighbor's, nor anything, even your neighbor's servant, nor anything that is your neighbor's. I was surprised in the Old Testament, God would say, don't covet your neighbor's wife, and I will add husband. But in the last days, you are so driven. You say, oh, she has the ring. I have the man. You are so driven, covetous. What is not your own? You want at all costs. At first, people would come to the church as a hiding place. 
and a refuge. But rather, when people rather come into the church, that is when they are having these kind of problems. So that now, even a lady, a grown-up lady some years ago, she came into the church with a cane, looking for a young girl to whip. Covetous. We look at people's marriages, and we say, oh, this marriage is very nice. This man, he really loves his wife. I wish he would love me rather that way. So I will force myself into it, no matter what. What does not belong to you will never belong to you because it is not given of you by God. Hallelujah. And all these things are found in the church of God. We are buying things that we cannot even afford. Covetous. And it takes our minds and our eyes off the kingdom, off eternity, off the last days, and we are just living on this earth as if that is all there is to life. Amen. Amen. You look at somebody who has been married 25 years, say, I want your marriage. You, you just started six weeks. Look, what bricks have you put upon a brick? What have you been through? And what have you survived? You know? Yes, it takes the grace of God, but it also takes a certain yieldedness. You, you are not yielded. You are very hard. You never bend, never yield, never give in, never forgive, never agree. And then you say, oh, this uh, 25-year-old marriage, if I go into it, I will do better than that. Really? You are welcome. <laughs> but instead of learning that, what has made them come this far? Let me also apply it. That you'll be looking at your husband or your wife. So look at what is lying by me. Look at, you see, lady reverend, my husband, he doesn't achieve anything. He's not this and he's not that. That is why he has stayed married to you all these years. Because if he was achieving anything, it would not be easy in the house there. Amen. We are not happy with what we have. We always look into our soup bowl and we say the other one has more meat. The other one has more fish. This other one has mushrooms. Hey, go get your own mushrooms and put into the soup. In Jesus' name, amen. Covetous. I, I tell my children, the fact that somebody has something doesn't mean you should also have it. So then tell me, oh, mommy, when I went to church, then this person had this phone. So me too. I said, you don't live by people. Our standards are not people. Our standards are what we have, what our principles are, and how we want to live. Amen. And in my house, well, I know that it may not work in the UK, but in my house, unless you finish year three in high school, you don't have a phone. But that's my house. Everybody in there. Yeah. And so they'll come and tell me, even this one, she's six, she has a phone. Even this one, she's ten, she has a phone. Yes. Every child may be different. But you, when I look at you, it's after year three that you deserve to have a phone. That's all. Amen. But if I was, you are to just look at covetousness, oh, this one goes here, so you should go here. This one, and sometimes you can't even afford it. And you still want. We went for the opening of a church in Malaysia. And uh, the pastor of Redeemed was invited. When he came, he did so many meetings in the region with his churches. So he came with his private jet, his own private security, and all that. And then we also arrived in Qatar Airlines. 
There's no problem. Amen. We sat by him. We fellowshiped with him. We were blessed with whatever he said. But you don't just start being covetous and saying, oh, how did you come? I came with my private jet. Say, hey, it's the sign of being a man of God. It's a sign of big manship. So I also need, no. But if your work needs it, God will provide it at the right time. And many women also drive their husbands into things. You know, this one student go to this school. This one has bought this. So you to buy this for me. One sister told her husband, this $10,000 ring, if you don't buy it, I will never wear a ring. It was a major situation in the house. Major, 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 major situation. Do you see? Why? You are now going to get married. You are now starting the steps of life. You look at someone, you say she's wearing platinum. Look, wear your tin and be happy. At the right time, God will bring you through. Amen, somebody. Covetous. Covetous. We are so driven. We need to have this amount of money. And then we'll look at it like a photo album. It just sits in your account. You look at it like a photo album. Oh, how, how beautiful. Wait till the money loses its value. Then you will see that you can't build anything on the sands of this world. Amen. We are so driven by the need to be rich so that we will do any scam, anything just to get rich quick. In the last days, Men shall be covetous. I pray that that will not be your portion. Hmm. Boasters and proud. Hmm. Self-exalted. That's what it means here. An empty pretender. That's what Dick's Bible says. An empty pretender. Boasters. Proud. Proud. And it's because of Boasting that sometimes people become covetous because they want to say, oh, I do this. I have this car. If I don't drive this car, it means I'm not whatever. So you go and get credit that you are not supposed to get. Forcing yourself to live in houses that you should not live in. And then when the recession comes, you are on the streets because you were driven by boastful. Sometimes we do things in the ministry not because God has asked us to, but because we just want to boast to people. God has not called us to be film stars. He has not called us to be Hollywood stars. We are just servants. The word minister means to be a servant. It's not to be a star. Amen. And you should never lose sight of that fact. The Bible also says that we shall be proud so many people are proud, especially in the world, of their accomplishments. They are more conscious of the fact that they have, they have achieved certain things in life. And they are more proud of that than of the fact that they are children of God. I think that to be a child of God is the highest title than any other title. It's higher than to be Mrs. Bishop. It's higher than to be a lawyer. It's higher than to be anything. It's to be a child of God. And it's something I always tell myself, God, I feel so proud to be called a child of God. I feel so proud that I am your child, you know, child of the Lord Almighty. But we don't even, how do you say, meditate on that. 
men shall be proud. And that's why we get up and we blaspheme. Oh, there's no God. What can Christ do? Jesus Christ, superstar. He says he is this. He says he is that. And we are led into blasphemy in the last days. When I hear people talking, I say, hey, if God were to take your breath out of you, where will you stand? You know, somebody told me, Lady Reverend, I know I'm beautiful. Take a good look at me, Lady Reverend. When I walk down my street, all the cars pass, their heads just turn and look at me. Lady Reverend, I know I'm very beautiful. I said, hey, I was talking to her about her marriage, the need to be understanding, to be patient. And she was telling me, look, he should count himself lucky to have somebody like me to marry. Lady Reverend, I am very beautiful. I asked her, I said, you know, there are more beautiful women than you, and they are not married. So it is by God's mercies that you are married. So all that I'm telling you is fix your eyes on the word. But you are telling me I'm beautiful. When I go down the road, this and that and that, today she's not married. Because it doesn't take beauty. The Bible says, beauty is vain. The Bible also says that beauty is like a ring in the snout of a pig. A beautiful woman without discretion is like a ring in the snout of a pig. A golden ring. If a pig is wearing a ring, it's still a, a pig. Whether it's gold, whether it's still a pig. You know? So blasphemous. People blaspheme so much. And the world has gone so far as to go against the tenets of God. We say, man, come, you will marry man. The Bible says, male and female made he them. And we say, male and male made he them. And we don't want, we are not allowed to speak the truth. And people say, oh, the Bible didn't say that. And many Christians don't even know what the Bible says about these issues. And so we are just driven by every wind of doctrine. And it doesn't need to be that way. I always ask people, okay, you said male and male, he made them. And that is everybody's sexual preference. Then why do you jail people for being pedophiles? It's also their preference that they are attracted to children. That's what they like. Why do you make compulsory laws for people? Why do you say we need basic education and it's, it's compulsory? We, 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 our, 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 our choice doesn't come in. But when it comes to certain things, the right to choose. It's not everything that is the right to choose. The Bible says male and female made it. So even when there are two males, you see that one is wearing a skirt, one is wearing a blouse, and one is calling the other, and then they are coming like this. Because you can never break the law of God. Male and female made he them. That is why even when they are male and male, you are attracted to the female side of that person because God made it that way. Don't come and tell me that it's nature or nature. It's also nature to sleep with children. Some people will, will make that argument. We all need some discipline in our lives. We all need laws that, that, that show us that you have limits. You can't just, what, happen. But the law is just, the world is just blaspheming everything and everything God has created. When I was in Australia, 
I turned on the telly and I saw an archbishop. And he was holding the Holy Bible. And he said, oh, uh, we put it to the vote at our annual synod or whatever. And this year, more people have voted in favor of same-sex marriages. So we are very happy. And we are just looking forward to the Archbishop of Perth. He's the only one left. If he's able to agree, then we can move forward. I said, Satan, you are a liar. You have got your angels and you have put them in priestly cassocks. But they are working for you. You have infiltrated the head of the churches. And you are doing your own thing, contrary to God's word. And you are blaspheming. And then the, the camera zoomed in on the Bible. And they had written Holy Bible black with golden writing almost to tell us that is that what your bible says and that's why people say christians don't stand for anything and so they are converting to islam because in islam when you do that they will kill you amen in islam when you mention their prophet's name in vain you are finished and it is terror by which they are ruling us but christians have no godly jealousy Christians have no, they don't, they, don't, they don't stand up for their God. They don't say, you can't say that. No, we are too self-centered. We are too busy making money. And we don't believe that we should give up for any cause. And that is why Islam, it hasn't overtaken Christianity, but it's the fastest growing religion. Because people want something to live by. And the world looks at us and says, ha, huh, they don't seem to have any standards. They seem to be just like us. They believe in everything we believe in, and there's no difference. So why should we become Christians? We'd rather become Islamists because they stand for something. And then governments stand aside and say, what's happening? We have to fight terror. We have to fight whatever. It was not so when Christ was Lord of all these nations. But because you have put Christ away and you have become blasphemous, that's why these things are happening. Because nature abhors a vacuum. There's a vacuum. There's no God in our lives. The people who brought us God have turned against God. So there's a vacuum, and it has to be filled. And it's being filled with all these things. Men will be blasphemous. Amen. Hmm. Disobedient to parents. That's what I think we see it all around. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Anytime you are being ungrateful, remember there's a sign of the last days. Unholy. Covenant breakers. Unholy. Holiness has left the church. It's true. The Bible says he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we may become the righteousness of God. But the same Bible says, you shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, am holy. Nowadays, there's no holiness in the church. In the days before, if you walked into the church, a word of knowledge will come about you. What you have gone to do, and even the color of your underwear will be revealed by the Holy Spirit. Because Christians knew that God was a holy God, and he required that we walk in holiness. Whenever we came into his presence, we were taught that the steps to prayer were acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. So when we came, we will adore God. After that, confession. Look, 
some small lie you have told to your mother, you will cry all your eyes out. Oh God, forgive me. I've done this. Even things you haven't done, you will confess about. But now because the grace of God is so abundant, the Bible says, shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound? But that's what we are doing. Continuing to sin. God wants you and you continue. God tells you and he continues. You do this, God still has mercy on you and you continue. Because there's no fear of God. There's no holiness in the house of God. But the Bible says, you shall be holy unto me. And the essence of being born again is so that the Holy Spirit will live in you and help you overcome this flesh. But now because we are self-centered, we say Jesus is Lord, it's a lie. Our flesh is Lord. Anything that feels good, I will do it. And then people tell me, Lady Reverend, it's not easy. I said, he never said it will be easy. He never said you would only see sunshine. He never said there will be no rain. He never said that. And the Bible always tells us the truth. Jesus said, all they that shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer. Easy. He told us clearly. But we don't want that. Every time. And then we, we, we give room to the devil. Ephesians 4, give no place to the devil. You, you haven't given a place. So you have given your whole room, your whole living room, and everything you have to the enemy. Then you wonder why there's no joy in your life. You wonder why Christianity is not meaningful. Because men shall be unholy. Unholy. Impure. And even when preaching is going, I say, how many of you have fornicated? Then we lift up our hands with joy. <laughs> I told my husband, I said, the Bible said about the publican and the Pharisee, that when the publican came into the house of God, he was confessing, he says, the Bible says, he would not so much as even lift up his head. And he said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. But now, when sin is talked about, it's like, <laughs> oh, you too, eh? we are all, there's no holiness in the church and holy and holy we are just like the world everything just like the world you know sometimes I've walked into a church and a couple may be having problems in their marriage when I go underneath it I have been to a church when I went into it the, the man was sleeping with seven people in the choir yes and they were all flowing are you surprised that when we sing, the presence of God doesn't come? Are you surprised that when we sing, healing does not come? Men shall be unholy. The standards of God have been compromised. Amen. Church has become a social club. And nobody dares say it. Lord, have mercy. Without natural affection. I think I've talked about that. Bible says in Romans 1 that they exchange the natural use of the women for something else. Romans 1, 28. Or is it 32? Let's read it quickly and move on. I'm sorry. This is what the Holy Ghost wants me to talk about. I'm sorry. Romans chapter 1. Are we there? And as, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, 
God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Verse 31, without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection. Okay, 26, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, bend in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meet. And he says, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Amen. The Bible says we refuse to retain the knowledge of God. He gave us up to our vile affections. So when people say, oh, how come their affections are this way? How come? They're... Because God has given us up. God has given us up to our vile Without natural affection. It is a sign of the last days. So when I hear all the laws that are being passed and all the laws that have been uh, amended, I just look and I say, Lord, have mercy on us. Amen? Amen. Without natural affection. Hmm. Mercy on the clay. Back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Hmm. It's so sad. It really breaks my heart and I feel that if God speaks to me about such things, then maybe he wants me to intercede about it. So nowadays, that's what I do. Covenant breakers. Marriage is a covenant. It is being broken, left, right, center. You do what you like. You do what is convenient. Then you cover it up with spirituality. Say, so lady reverend, the Bible says, let brotherly love continue. Really? Brotherly love. You meet your shepherd, you say, oh, it's shepherdorial care. Hmm? I had to deal with a case. Shepherdorial care. Then before we know, you are sitting in what they call a private movie house, movie theater. You and your shepherd. Then you choose which movie you want. The shepherd is married, you are not. And you are watching the movie in the church of God. Jesus. Covenant breakers. Sometimes the people in the covenant themselves are breaking it. And sometimes outsiders are breaking the covenant. Covenant breakers. When you look at the marriage, the Bible says the only grounds that God allows divorce is infidelity. That's the only grounds that God allows. But you are in the covenant. The suffering is too much. When will I be happy? Why are you looking for happiness? Why are you looking for happiness? Just look for obedience. And then you are obedient. God himself will add the joy part in his own good time. Amen? But every covenant that God has made, you are breaking it. When you stand here with your vows, you are in the presence of God. Why did you come to the church anyway? Or why did you have a pastor? Because you wanted God to be represented in it. Now, anything small, you say, he doesn't look after my children. I'm not saying it's right. But because of that, you say you are going. 
even sometimes people have told me he snores too much. He snores too much. I made an appointment for him with the doctor. He didn't go. And then when I bought a, this is a, to do the snoring, he didn't listen. So Lady Reverend, in the end, I moved out. And then whatever, whatever, divorced. It's not a myth, though. It's not a myth. And this same sister was living with a brother in a flat. And I said, look, a male and female, you see, God has made us to be attracted to each other already. You know, so as you are living in this house together, you are sharing the bathroom, London life. When you finish, you wash your underwear, he comes, he sees it. And men too, they walk by sight and not by faith. Amen. I said, sister, the way you are staying there, I don't think it's right. It was just a matter of time. She came to say, Lady Heaven, I've fallen in love. I said, with who? My flatmate. I say, you see, I don't doubt you're falling in love. Sometimes just proximity can make you feel that you are related in that way. But when you go away, you realize that you don't feel like that about each other. Oh, Lady Reverend, this one. I said, didn't I tell you that? It's over. And then now she comes. He snores too much and I want to leave. I said, ah, but you were staying in the flat with him. Did you not see that he was snoring? Lady Reverend, when we were dating, it didn't matter. But when we are married, I, re- I realize that it's for the rest of my life. True stories. I'm sure some of them will buy this tape. Covenant breakers. You come and stand here, you say, forsaking all others, keep me only unto thee, so long as we both shall live. Hey, the others have not been forsaken, or they are just on leave. They are just on leave. They have not been forsaken. And I'm so surprised that sisters also are covenant breakers. I was talking to one guy. He said that, look, Lady Reverend, sometimes I've come into the house unannounced. And on the phone, the things that are being said, I can't take it. And when I see the text messages, and then when I go and say, she will say that she's a shepherd. She's looking after the sheep. I should not meddle with God's kingdom and God's work. Hmm. Covenant breakers. A lady I knew, she was not even in the church. She was in another church. Her husband got married, brought her to the church. She took the things of God seriously, rose up in the things of God. Just what she's doing, she trains people in a certain type of work. And a young lady in the church comes and says, oh, I'd like to be trained by you. Oh, okay. Come. I'll train you. Just come. I'll train you. Before she knows, within weeks of her marriage, the covenant has been broken. Huh? Somebody else has become an, a Hagar in the house fully, flowing with the brother in the house. And then at a point, the person just lives as if, um, as if he, there's no Christ. He never even thought about it that there's a God. There's no God in his life, in whatever he's doing, you know. So this lady told me, she went through a lot, then she came and said, you know, I've decided to just let it go and live my life. So I just live my life, minding my own business. As she's in her house, a covenant breaker rings the house. <laughs> Please. I wanted to speak to Mr. So-so-and-so. 
so I'm sorry he's not in. He's gone out. So um, he's not here for you to speak to him. Okay. Let me leave a message with you. Please, when he comes, eh, tell him that his girlfriend in Accra, no, she didn't say in Accra, his girlfriend is calling him. Somebody's husband, you are talking to the wife. The wife said, oh, his girlfriend, which one? Is it the one in Obuasi, Takradi, Kumasi, or the one in Upper East? When she told me, I said, what a revelation, sister. You are powerful. And then the girl said, okay, please, uh, just tell him, okay, bye. Foolish. Foolish. People have such audacity to break covenants that even the person is in her home, you still want to disturb her in her home after all that you are doing. Covenant breakers. We should be careful when we are breaking people's covenants because often what we do to people is done to us. And then we are surprised because sometimes we think we are the latest shrimp that has appeared. And then later, when the worst thing is being done, somebody said to me, I now understand why his first wife left him. Ah, you now understand. I thought you broke it. False accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. False accusers. What you haven't seen, you say you've seen. They say there's no smoke without fire. I've come to see that there can be fog without fire. And I've come to see that people tell fantastic stories based on nothing. Amen? One day I was, some time ago, I was pastoring a chapel in the church. And then after that, a lady came to see me and said, Lady Reverend, after church, I would like to see you. Oh, okay. So after church, she came and said, what is it? Ah... Uh, I heard something and then I thought I should ask you whether it's true. Oh, go on. Uh, do you know this person with Bishop's name? She works on a radio station. I said, yes, I know of her, yes. Uh, somebody told me that when Bishop was in high school, he fathered the girl. And uh, everybody knows, but it's like a quiet thing. So I wanted to know, is that Bishop's daughter? And I said, oh, if you look at the girl's age and Bishop's age, then Bishop must have fathered her at the age of eight. <laughs> and the girl is his cousin, not his daughter. He cannot give birth to her. So uh, they were saying it, and they even said they had evidence that false accusers. And sometimes if you go by that, you will not even serve God. And that's why our newspapers are washed. Pastor does this. Reverend does, even when the person is a fetish priest, they say, Pastor does this. Because what it does is, it takes people's confidence from the things of God. And many people who should have been in the kingdom do not come into the kingdom. False accusers. Incontinent means you don't have any limits. You don't have any, um, how do you call it? Boundaries. Boundaries and self-control. Boundaries. Okay? Incontinent. When doctors say that you are incontinent, it means you cannot control your urine or anything. It just comes. 
In the same way, in your life, you can't control anything. When you see something, you have to sleep with it. Anything is scared. Anything. Some of you brothers, you amaze me. You have nice wives, but the things that attract you are incontinent, incontinent. Fierce, despisers of those that are good. You see, Christians are despised. When you live for God, when you walk in holiness, you are despised. Why are you a virgin at 40? Why are you pure at 40? They look down on you. They despise you. They despise anything that is godly. And all these things are precious that make these times difficult for the Christian. Amen. Traitors, people giving you up betrayal, even in marriage. Heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. It's not that they don't love God, but their love for pleasure is more. That's why when once in a while they say, we are having a fast, you don't want to do it because pleasure, food is pleasurable to you. But think about it. As you feed, you feed your stodgy body, it shall be buried in the earth and maggots shall come and eat it. But as you feed the spirit man, it shall rise up in the resurrection and be caught up with Jesus. Lovers of pleasure. Sometimes we love sleep too much. But look, what is easy in life? When you want to do anything or be anything, you have to study hard. You have to burn the midnight oil. You have to give something to get something. It just doesn't happen. And especially most of the young people, they don't know how to even sit down and learn for long times. It's like every time something is calling you, you have to get up. Something is, you know, and they don't learn according to what they have to achieve. Like maybe, I have to finish these three topics because tomorrow I have an exam. No. It's like, I've learned for two hours, it's enough. So whether the two hours have covered the topics or not, it's immaterial. And that is why we are getting the products that we are getting. Lovers of pleasure. The sleep is too much. And then you would turn, then you would snore. <laughs> when people who are doing voodoo, black magic, they don't sleep. Don't think that the people who do black magic, Bishop has told you before, we lived on top of a hotel, and the hotel owner, he will come at 1 a.m., come and sprinkle things, be saying incantations, and all that. And then we'll be looking into our, through our window. At him. Then once my husband said that, hey, whilst men slept, as we are sleeping, this person is coming to sprinkle all these things. So from today, when he comes at 1, I also wake up at 1. And also go into my closet and contend for the faith. Amen. Lovers of television, more than lovers of God. Lovers of internet, more than lovers of God. Lovers of phone, foolish conversations. Friends that you should not be sharing your problems with. Instead of the Bible, that foolish friend has become your advisor. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Amen. Facebook. After that, you turn off your theater, you smile. <laughs> oh, Meredith, it was nice. And after that, what? 
The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not a party. It's not a picnic. It's a fight. How come you just live for pleasure? Pleasure. The number of hours you will spend to go and do your hair, you will never spend it to read the Bible. The number of hours you will spend looking for that skirt, you will never use it to meditate on God's word. Lovers of pleasure. Everything is what pleases me, what makes me happy. Hey, party, going here, going. But there's nothing that you don't sacrifice for. Even in your study, you pay a price so that you can get something. Amen. The church is filled with too many lovers of pleasure. Everything is pleasure. When meetings are organized all night, you won't come. Because you have to sleep. You have to sleep. Meanwhile, the next day you have time to sleep. But no, lovers of pleasure. Sometimes you may have to give up some hours of work just so that you can honor God's prayer. Say, no, but what are you getting that extra money for? Just to buy that foolish skirt in that expensive shop. That's all. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And then finally, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. You have the form. You have the structure. You have the look. You have the outside, what, trappings. But inside, there's no power in your life. Having a form of godliness, a form. You come to church. You join the ministries. But the power of God is not present in your life. Beloved, if the power of God is present in your life, it will change you. You can't stay the same. When we knew that people were born again, when they were drug addicts, they were delivered the very day. When they were cigarette smokers, they were delivered the very day. When the, like the Archbishop Nixon, they were delivered the very day. Where are those conversions today? We have become lovers of pleasure. We just have a form of godliness. But we don't allow the Holy Spirit to really deal with us. That's not, we, and God is a, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not force his way into your life. So the power to live a holy life, that power to be truly transformed is not there. We just have a form of godliness. And it's a sign of the last days. Lady Reverend, what should we do? I don't like to preach to people and say, we are covetous, we are holy, we are covenant breakers, we are this, but not tell you what we should do. Certainly, God will tell us what we should do. Luke chapter 21, 20, verse 28 going. Luke chapter 21. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. 29. No, not the parable. And he spake to them a parable. No, I didn't. Okay. And he spake to them a parable. Behold, the fig tree and all the trees. Please just continue. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Please continue. It's saying that when we see these things, we should know that, first of all, look up. When you see all these signs happening around you, blasphemy, 
and holy covenant breakers, don't look on the earth. Don't look around you. Look up. If you look around you, you'll be discouraged. If you look around you, you'll compromise. If you look around you, you'll fall. But look up. For your redemption is drawing near. Amen. And then he says, when you see the fig tree, you can read the signs. When you see the clouds, you say it will rain. When the weather forecasts people on the news, they read their machines, they can know that it will rain, it will be foggy, it will be this. You can see. So in the same way, when you look at these things, let it remind you of the signs of the last days. Amen. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. Verse 33. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. 34. Take heed to yourselves. That's also another step. Lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that that day come upon you unawares. Verse 35. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the earth. Please continue. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be counted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Amen. So there are about four things the Bible tells us to do. Look up for your redemption. Draw us near. Two, take heed to yourselves. Lest your hearts be overcharged, be, be drowned with surfeiting. Surfeiting is excesses, drunkenness, the cares of this world. Take heed to yourselves, not to somebody else. All of us must take heed to ourselves. The Bible says, let him who thinks he stands. Maybe today you are standing and you are preaching, but take heed to yourself. Lest. It doesn't matter how high you are in God. Take it to yourself. Amen. And then the next thing he says, says, watch and pray. Watch and pray. No, don't just pray. Watch. Look at the signs. Look at the laws that are changing. Look at the wisdom of the world and all that is going on. And pray. Pray that God will keep you. Pray that many will come into the kingdom. Pray that you will have a burden for lost souls. Pray that you, you fulfill the negative aspects of prophecy. It is something I've prayed all my life. When I, I see prophecy, I say, Lord, I pray that I will not be used to fulfill the negative aspects of your prophecy, but the positive aspects, that the righteous shall be called into eternal rest. That is the one I'm looking for. Take heed to yourself. Don't live carelessly. Don't live as if there's no tomorrow. Don't live as if our lives are just here. Peter says that we are strangers and pilgrims in this life. When you are not a national of a place, you don't have papers, you can't work, you are not open to benefits, so many things don't apply to you. Therefore, when you are not a national of the earth, so many things don't apply to you. You have to learn to live like a stranger and like a pilgrim on this earth and look up for Jesus shall be returning soon. Sometimes, even if Jesus doesn't come, you will go to go and meet him. Have you thought about that? So people say, oh, they say it's the last days. But what, it's also in the Bible that people will say, ah, but they said this so many thousands of years ago. It's in the Bible. And people will scoff. It's part of the science of the last days. But the Bible says, look up. May we be heavenly minded. May we be eternally minded. May we look for the coming of our king. Don't look for perfection on earth. 
Earth will never give you perfection in anything. Your husband is a good man, but he can't be perfect. Your wife is a good woman, but she cannot be God to you. And that is why God shall wipe away all our tears. Because here we will have tears, but in heaven there shall be no more crying, no more weeping. It's a place to look forward to. It's a perfect place. And look up for your redemption draws near. Please stand to your feet. I just want you to pray to God that he will make you heavenly minded. It's true, the pressures of this life and so many things rob us and our, our attention is not fixed. Open your mouth and speak to God. Father, touch my heart. Make me heavenly minded. Make me heavenly minded, Lord. And I pray that you will deliver us from the negative aspects of all these prophecies, Lord. I pray for your grace for your people, that we will stand in all the evil days and we will be able to stand. I pray that we will be Christians who are not comfortable in this life, but who have eternal minds. Christians who set their affection on things that are above and not on things below. Deliver us from the deceptions of this life. Cause us to place our priorities right. And if there be anything in us, Oh, of all the things that have been read out, Lord, may your blood cleanse us. Give us a heart that is tender towards the things of God. Give us a burden for the lost, for we have lost it. And we don't even think about the unsaved. Let us cherish our salvation. Touch our hearts again. Give us a burden for the lost, so that we will reach out to them. In Jesus' name. When we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be help me choir when we all see jesus we'll sing and shout the victory oh when we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be Yay, when we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory When we all get to heaven When we all get to heaven What a day of rejoicing that will be When we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory For the last time When we all get to heaven What a day of rejoicing that will Stop be. looking for heaven down here Yes, see Jesus will sing And shout the victory Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lady Reverend, I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. Lady Reverend, I don't have any meaningful relationship with God. This afternoon, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. Lady Reverend, pray for me. You are like that here, every head bowed and every eye closed. Just lift up your hands wherever you are standing and I'll pray for you. We all took this step many years ago. Forget about who is on your left or who is on your right. 
Look up for your redemption is drawing nigh. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to be sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. Green leaves fall, brown leaves fall. We are just here on the lease. Someday, God will call all of us. You are here like that this morning. Lift up your hands high above your shoulder and I'll pray with you. Father, I pray that you will touch each and every one of us. Prepare us for eternity. Deliver us from the deceptions of this world. And let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi. Or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.